Raymond, the first battle between Robert Salah's Jets defense and Kyle Shanahan's 49er offense already took place this offseason, this week. The Jets went in for the interception, and Kyle Shanahan threw a bomb and took it to the house and explained to everybody what I mean when I say that. Well, Robert Salah recently tried to intercept quarterback's coach Rich Scangarello, but Kyle Shanahan, through the clever use of pre-snap motion and play-action pass, was able to perform a dime of a bomb to Rich Scangarello, retaining him for the big score and keeping him with the 49ers. So it doesn't matter if you are a former run coordinator or a former pass coordinator or a former assistant or, in Salah's case, a former defensive coordinator. In order to beat the man, you've got to be the man. And the current man is Kyle Shanahan. Oh, hey, that rhymed. That rhymed. Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss. I made a re-yahims, a, 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 a yims, a re-yims. Re That's how you pronounce that word, I'm pretty sure. The, the, I believe so. It's a soft you, you H-Y were... combination. <laughs> you, you're a poet. You didn't even know it. Now, Raymond, uh, why don't you let them know where people can find the gold cast? You can certainly like us on Instagram at the gold cast. And, you know, and you can also like us and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast, And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated, we can be found. Just look for the moniker, The Goldcast, and that's where we are. If you're on the YouTubes, make sure to hit that subscribe button and hit the little notification bell so you get notified um, when our episodes go live on the line. And leave a comment because that feeds the YouTube algorithm, and that is how the beast is fed. So make sure you do that. And woo, let's get ready to rumble. Raymond and coming on fire today. He's on fire. All right, folks, here we go. Big episode. We talk about the offseason moves. We lose one, we keep another. We'll talk about that after the break. I mean, after the intro. And then, of course, Warriors, Lakers, Warriors, Spurs, back to back, two games in a row, big wins. And now they've got the Knicks tonight. Can they turn it into a third? We're going to talk about that tonight. Just how good the Warriors have looked this week. It's been a huge week for them. And then we're going to end with, as promised, our discussion of my playoff eliminator pool. I'm still here. I am still here. We are not effing leaving. But first, the greatest intro in the game is about to drop. Your professor of fanalism, I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! Raymond coming in hot with the hot intro. The super hot intro. We're going to talk about that in a second, but first we start with the biggest news of the day, which is, of course, that Martin Mayhew, the other right-hand man to John Lynch, has been poached. He is going over. That's right. Right here. Boom. Oh, wait. Boom. 
Uh, boom. I never know how to do the screen screen. Uh, he has been poached by the Washington football team. Uh, this is obviously it's hard to determine Raymond exactly where he begins and Adam Peters ends, you know, where John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they all of these, these brains take a major piece into building the puzzle that has been the 49ers team over the last several years. But Martin Mayhew, clearly one of the top ranking officials already had a stint in Detroit, came here to the 49ers and now is getting poached again. Uh, this is kind of the name of the game. We really wanted to keep Adam Peters, I think maybe because his success was more direct. We could cl cl clearly see a through line from Denver, the two Super Bowl teams, to the 49ers and this Super Bowl team. We could clearly see a through line with what he has done and the difference of when he left. We know Denver's never been the same ever since he's left. You know, Martin Mayhew, it's a little bit murkier, but obviously... As such a high-ranking official within the 49ers ranks, this was a play, this was a, a, a official, a front office personnel that the 49ers really deemed important. But at the same time, I wish him the best. This is part of the game. There's nothing we could do about it. And if we're going to lose one of the generals, at least we keep one of these guys. It would have really, I think, it would have been a much tougher situation if we lose Martin Mayhew and Adam Peters. We keep Adam Peters. We lose Martin Mayhew. What are your thoughts? I still think Adam Peters is really the the mastermind, the wizard behind the curtain, so to speak. Not to disregard Martin Mayhew. I mean, he spent the last four seasons, so he's been there from the beginning, working as um, what is it, the uh, the se senior personnel executive and vice president of player personnel. So right, he's right there. He's right there. And and he before that he was a GM for the Detroit Lions for like eight seasons. And they went to the playoffs twice during that stretch. And but I mean, his first year he was there, they were 0 16. So, you know, he had a, a lot of ground to cover with that franchise. So even squeezing two playoff years out of that stretch, considering that he started 0 16, I think is a pretty good accomplishment given, you know, the track record of that franchise. So him going over to Washington with with uh, what's his name? Uh, Ron Rivera. I think I, I think it's a good combination, but I don't necessarily see the Niners as losing a huge component. I think it's a I think it was a useful cog, but not not as important of a cog as a say Adam Peters. So I think that uh, I think that we dodged a bullet. Although like any loss is is still a loss, you know. But as we said in the beginning of the show, we almost lost quarterbacks coach Rich Gangarello. We got to keep him, thank God, because we have quarterback issues right now that need to get ironed out. And some a lot of most of it has to do with durability and Nick Mullins' case, and 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 to a uh, to to another degree, C.J. Beathard. There's mechanics issues there. Jimmy doesn't necessarily have those issues. Jimmy's is just dur durability. So. Uh, hopefully he gets that sorted out in the offseason. But to to cycle back to the main story here, I'm I'm okay with this move. In fact, I wish Martin Mayhew the best. I hope he does well in San Francisco. I think it's a great combination with Ron Rivera. He's a good coach, even though they had you mean a, in Washington. In Washington. Sorry, yeah, with uh, in Washington, I I think he's a good coach, and he was obviously did well in Carolina, and he took the Washington football team to the playoffs, even though they had a losing record, and it was just because. By default, they have they get to go, but uh, they were a scrappy bunch with a good defense. So if they can shore up the offense, then th you've got a bona fide contender, in my opinion. So I think that him combined with Ron Rivera should have, you know, few issues seeking out the talent that they need in order to fix things over there. But again, 
You have to go to the professional podcast, the professional football podcast, if you want to hear more about that. Or I think one's called the uh, Riverboat Cast, uh, which is a cast dedicated to Ron Rivera. Um, and I, I, Rudy, what's a, there's another one that, uh, that you listen to. Well, I, well, I was, well, I was going to add to it that the professional football podcast, remember we discussed a couple weeks ago, how that's one of the most difficult to find because it's on Google. It's a bit of a generic name. They're now touting on their thing, the most difficult podcast to find on the internet. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they've kind of found their niche and they're like, look, we're going to, we're, we're, we're a three sub kind of podcast and three subs is all we need. So I'm just <laughs> proud of them for embracing their style. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, and, uh, when you have, when you have a dilemma, you make dilemmaate and that's what those guys did. And so I'm very proud of them for that. Congratulations. To those right. guys. Nice guys. They mean well. <laughs> Friends of the show. Friends, Friends of the, of the yes. show. Friends of the show. As all of those rival uh, podcast producers are. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, so in, absolutely. in the end, the Niners. I I feel like we we don't really lose much ground on this one uh, because Adam Peters to me is the uh, is the the big the glue that that binds that's binding everything that's making things work in terms of who we select talent wise. Yeah, well, so let's look at the big picture, right? So we we were we were in a position where we could have lost, we could have lost Adam Peters, Martin Mayhew, Robert Salah, uh, Matt Lafleur, which we did lose. Not, not Matt, the other Lafleur, Mike Mike Lafleur, Mike Lafleur, yeah, Mike Lafleur, and then uh, uh, Rich. I can never say his last name. Scangarello. 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 We could have lost all of them, all of that. Instead, we retain Rich, we and we keep Adam Peters. So we're two, two and two, two and two. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, other teams two, 49ers two. Five, we're we're at five hundred, and they're in this off season. Uh, if we get if we get Deshaun Watson, we're at like a thousand. We're batting a thousand with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which well, who knows? We'll see. Well, Richard Sherman was was famously already saying that he should get to the Jets, which I was like, oh, I, I mean, ugh, I don't know. I mean, sure, do you, boo, do you? But I mean, the bet we, as we discussed a lot on on uh, Monday's Monday Tuesday's episode, the best football move for him is to come to the 49ers. The best option for Houston is probably to make a trade with either New York or. Miami. I mean, that's really what it's. That's in that. That's in th- their best interest. So it's just a matter of who's going to win out that contest. And uh, but going back to the um, Deshaun Watson deal, he the only thing he posted today that has that might bear any semblance to the debacle between him and Houston was, if you always there for me, that's a really good look. Which to me says like, hey, if you've got my back, then that means something to me. And Houston, as we know. That's been reported, and from my, from where I'm sitting, from uh, confirmed, they have not had his back. And part of that having his back was including him in the hiring process of the GM and the head coach, of which he's had little say in that process. So, uh, I think to me, I don't know how you feel about it. To me, that's kind of where I place this in the Deshaun Watson cryptic tweet, because <laughs> his, his whole quick quick bleh, the the. You know, athletes, they love to send cryptic tweets within not directed to anybody and just kind of throw it out there. And like this, I, y'all know who I'm saying this to, but I'm not going to tag them. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously, it is it is clear. It is it is more clear than ever that he is truly, truly not happy with the situation and that he wants out. I think that is there is no way around it. There's been some discussion. Is this going to be is this the beginning of the player empowerment power era in professional football? That's a big question. You know, we've seen the player empowerment era happening alive and well for 10 years in the NBA. Is it beginning in the NFL? And this is a this is a big move, regardless of whether he goes to the 49ers or not. Watts, if Watson gets traded out of Houston, this this could have ramifications well beyond this. Is This could be our our LeBron to Miami moment for the NFL. So, I mean, regardless of where he goes, this is an important to watch because this could have ramifications across, across football for years to come. You know, I agree. And it's in it. And he, the fact that he has a no trade clause to me, that's, there's just, there's no way, you know, if it comes down to it, Houston, it's a lose, lose for Houston. Cause not only, not only do they not get to dictate the whole deal, but Deshaun can easily throw a monkey wrench and say, nope, not that team, not that team, not that team, not that team. Has to be this team, this team, or this team. He, well, the, see, the no trade clause gives him that power. It really does. And we talked about this. Jimmy G also has a no trade clause. So they both would have to agree on waiving their trade clause just to even make this trade happen. Yeah, and, and Jimmy would have to. That's why I think you need, uh, as others have echoed, I agree with this This notion that the Niners do need another partner to satisfy Jimmy on. So you do this trade. like, like, what do you do? You ship. So you said three team trade with uh, the Patriots before. So yeah, let's cause go. he'd, be, he'd be down to go back and play for so, Belichick. So we go, we go, we go Jimmy to the Patriots. Niners get Patriots get Jimmy. Patriots send their first round pick to Houston. Niners send their first round pick to Houston. We get Deshaun Watson, and we probably send them two more picks. Some, some, something along that lines, and maybe a player or something like that. That because then we mitigate the costs. We like, hey, I'll give you Jimmy, but you got to give a first round pick to Houston, and then I'll I'll give you something else. You know, like I don't know, I don't know if it's Jimmy straight up. We did Jimmy straight up for a second round pick. So, and we've now, you know, we've time has passed and I don't know if he's still worth that today or how that would work, but something along those lines where some of the costs is act, some of that bill is, you know, forked up by the Pats and then we fork up a first round. We There's no way you get out of this without forking up at least one first round or most likely two. But if we get a third, but if we get a third team involved, then I think some of that cost gets mitigated by them. Interesting. 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 All right, Raymond, it's time. Let's move on to our Warriors talk because it's been a big, great week in Warriors basketball. Let's go. We said last we said on the end of our episode, our last episode, Warriors were playing the Lakers. We were going to come back to this because the game wasn't even over. They're playing the Knicks tonight. That game isn't over yet. But we and you and I spoke offline and we were saying if the Warriors get blown out, this is going to be a great test no matter what. A great test of what this team is capable of facing the champs, facing the best team in the league. If they get blown out, man, we still have a lot to go. If they can, if they keep this game tight and lose within a little, great. 
We never really discussed, well, what if they actually win? And indeed, they won. It was a nail-biter, defeating a 19-point deficit. Coming back from 19 points, they end up finishing the game 115 to 113. And it was... It was just a, a barn burner. The Lakers kind of eased off the pedal, and the and the Warriors just kept chipping away, chipping away. A seventeen and two run in the fourth quarter, and you saw big contributions from Curry, Ubre, and Wiggins once again, and Draymond with nine assists alone right there. It was just quite the game. And uh, let's start here, and then we'll move on to the Spurs. But let's start first with what are your thoughts on Warriors-Lakers? Just a huge win for them. I thought it was a scrappy win because they did, they started off horrible. Curry was flat. The offense was flat. They were down by 19 points in the first quarter. I thought it was the second unit playing pretty good defense and actually dropping shots that was able to get them kind of back into the mix, even though they didn't necessarily take the lead or tie. They were able to cut that deficit by a significant margin. That was largely due in part to the spark that was started by the second unit in the second quarter. And then it was the third and more so the fourth where the Warriors really took over defensively and offensively and were able to edge out the uh, the, the Lakers. And uh, Curry, you know, was kind of sprinkling points throughout most of the game. Most He made most of his money in the second half of the game and, of course, had the killer dagger three that ended up being the the deciding point that won them that game or the I should say deciding shot and make because he was flat with his three pointers that whole game and even that three was not clean but he dropped the three when he needed to drop the three and ended up sending a, a dagger straight to the to the Lakers and they ended the game defensively uh, Lakers had multiple possessions and couldn't land a shot including the buzzer beater uh, and just came up short and a, a lot of that was good to just Great, staying in their face and contesting shots when they needed to. Uh, Ubre woke up offensively, had his best game of the year, 23 points. He's been looking good. He's actually been playing solid two-way basketball, which is great because we all know that uh, you know he was there. He was brought in to suffice for the Clay Thompson absence, and even though he's not the caliber of two-way player that Clay Thompson is. He's been doing solid work, and he's actually been progressively getting better as the season has gone on, especially after his rocky, rocky cold start beyond the arc. So I was really happy to see him go. We, our Wiseman had a really tough game. Most of it was due to foul trouble, but which which ended up uh, attributing to his lack of offense in this game. But you know, it's still like he's still you still feel really I mean like bad games for him it's like oh it's no problem he's a rookie you know that's going to be the excuse all season long when these things happen and he's just going to learn he's only 19 years old for crying out loud so he hasn't did not play a lick of NCAA basketball so three games yeah exactly which three games (laughs) in NCAA in the NCAA and he is clearly the front runner for rookie of the year yeah he's he's fifth in the league in points per game right now he's he's I think it's 10.7 uh, points per game that's fifth in in the NBA so we'll see how that progresses as we get closer to that to that award but um great effort caught me by surprise because it was sloppy ball offensively but defense was scrappy enough to really edge him out and that was just great to see against a very very tough Lakers team that is the number one defense in the association yeah it was a huge win more than you know, are the Warriors going to be able to do that over a seven-game series? 
Probably not. Not at this level. Not right now. But those are the kinds of wins that happen early in the season that prove to the younger players that they are capable. They are capable of beating any team on any given night if they play their best ball. And Ubre coming alive, he's gone two for four, two, week, two games in a row from behind the arc. That is huge. And if we can keep those numbers going, this really he really is kind of the missing piece that they need. Uh, I also love what I'm really seeing out of Wiggins. Wiggins is really also you want to talk about two-way player Wiggins is coming up and the bench Wiggins the is bench an is underrated two-way player uh, Wiggins yeah. is, Wiggins has probably been the best acquisition that the Warriors got this offseason and you know consider this after the first two blowouts which I thought were going to be the tail of the tape for the rest of the season and I was not looking forward to it since then Wiggins has scored 15 or more points in every game since then so we've they're eight and six so that's 14 games, so 12 straight games, 15 points or more out of Andrew Wiggins. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Now, after the game, Steph Curry said, you know, this is a great win, but we've got to do this two in a row. We've got, we've got to start stringing these together. He didn't say two in a row. He just said stringing them together. And string them together, they did. They played the Spurs a couple nights later, and that was a blowout. Final score, 121 to 99. Wiseman with a career high 20 points in that game, the most points he's ever scored. And it became, the game became just lob the ball to Wiseman under the hoop. Lob the ball to Wiseman under the hoop. It was just alley oop, lob, alley oop. Seven dunks. Seven dunks. Yeah. A touchdown of dunks. <laughs> <laughs> a touchdown of dunks. Uh, Wiseman ended up going 26 and four. Curry was 26, uh, 26, 11, and seven. Wiggins was 18, seven, and three. Ubre, 16, 11, and seven. Just great production yeah. out of those guys. Again, and Ubre. Ubre was terrific. He had uh, multiple turnovers against the Lakers, hitting the ball against players and having it roll out of bounds. He did that multiple times to get possessions back into the Warriors' hands. And he was pesky in this game. Had a monster. In my opinion, the best the best play of the game was an offensive board that he one-hand slammed. Uh, it, it, I think it was in the third quarter. Just a, I mean, like that one, that one got the ooze out of me. Uh, I was like, ooh, man, that was, that was fire. So Ubre's hot right now. And thank God, because uh, we need, we need him to fill in for clay and he's starting to heat up at the right time. You need to heat up now, build up that, that chemistry and build up the confidence with the rest of the guys and carry that into the rest of the season to compete for the tournament. I'll tell you who also, uh, I also, uh, one more play, and then I'll tell you who the unsung hero in all this that hasn't gotten enough credit yet. Uh, I liked I liked the the Steph Curry alley-oop to Wiseman. I thought that was fire. Yeah, it was like right around like middle of the first, middle of the first, end of the first. Pick your highlight. He had seven, seven dunks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I'll tell you who deserves a big, chunk of credit with someone who was kind of under fire at the beginning of the season, especially when the, the Warriors start out so flat. It was Bob Myers. Bob Myers is the one who's put this team together. And again, if we had clay right now, this be top two, top three right here with this alone. Everybody talking about, Oh man, the Warriors are back. Warriors are playing old school, 2015 b basketball. It, that beautiful, you know, pass, 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 pass boom, uh, behind the arc three. And, we were missing that extra twenty to thirty-five points a night from Clay. I, we would, I, I, ever, I keep seeing this on on NBA Twitter, Warriors Twitter, Warriors Instagram. If only we had Clay, well, just how good this team would be. But the props has to go to Bob Myers for putting this team together. He's the guy. I was kind of really going. 
I'm not really sure. Getting uh, getting not... Ubre as quickly as he did after Clay went down, I mean, that's starting to pay dividends now. It really is, and he's the unsung hero that of of this team. I mean, he put together a really good squad. And again, if Clay is here, we are looking at a very different. You know, we're 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 up two or two or three uh, numbers up in the ranks. I mean, it's right there. The next thing, I feel, and I said this before. I feel like Curry, Curry, it's about time we start hearing MVP, right? 26 points, back-to-back games. He, I feel like he's making a run. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, but I'm saying he's got to be. Right now, he, I have him up there. I have him up there at least in the top three, arguably top five, no higher no higher than five. Uh, but I think he's in the running for MVP. What are your thoughts? Um, I think so. Early front runner. Early front early, runner. Early fr- I mean, early, early hot takes. Early hot takes in the NBA season. I think Curry absolutely should be involved in that conversation. I mean, back-to-back 26 points, although the efficiency of the 26 points in the Spurs game was much better than it was in the Lakers game, although he made it count at the very end by making the winning shot. Although, but but at the same time, in terms of efficiency, he was four for eight uh, from the three-point range in the Spurs game. So he shot 50% in that game versus, I think, two for 11 against the Lakers. So, um, uh, but, but I mean, the point is consistency, right? Whether it's uh, ugly 26 or efficient 26, Curry's going to get you those points night in and night out. And and, and in some cases, he's going to get you three times that amount uh, as he already has this season with the 62 banger. Yeah. I, again, just overall, I'll say this, Goldcast Empire. If you're not watching the Warriors, tune in. This is a scrappy, fun team. You're going to get two really scrappy, fun teams between now and the 49ers return. You're going to get the Warriors right now, and you're going to get the Giants come uh, April and Mar- March and April. So get ready because both of these teams, they're not going to win every game. They're going to have some losses that hurt, and they're going to have some wins that surprise you, like the Lakers, uh, like the Lakers earlier this week. But these two teams are so scrappy. And and they they're in it every single night. And if you just want to watch good Bay Area sports, tune into the Warriors now. And I'm telling you, when the when the Giants come back, you're going to see the same thing in baseball. So it'll definitely keep keep you busy and keep that hunger going while we wait for the next 49ers season to return. All right, Raymond, let's move on. It is time now for my playoff eliminator pool. How did I do? Still in it. I'm still in it. I am still here, Ray. So we last week we were sitting there, and it was an opportunity between I could pick between my uh, my options were the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Packers, or the Bucks Saints. Now you thought the Saints were going to win. I thought the Bucks were going to win. We both decided the game might be too close. Stay away from that game. I ended the podcast deciding I was going to go with the Packers, but I pivoted at the last second. I said, you know what? I also don't trust Aaron Rodgers against a number one defense has not fared that well. So let's stay out of the NFC and let's go with the Bills. I went with the Bills. Bills win the game. They get me through. So uh, here we are, but now we're in a conundrum because I was thinking – here, here's here's how I think the the here's how the strategy on this works, okay? Right? The strategy I think you really want to do is you want to pick a team that's going to win this week but lose next week. You don't want a team that keeps going marching through because you you want you want your final 
winning choice, your final team that you choose to be the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. That's that's the strategy here, you know. So I thought I I was pretty confident that the Bills would lose this Sunday to the Chiefs. That's not what I want. I want more than anything the Bills to win. But I figured if I'm if I'm being realistic, I think Chiefs probably win again, right? If we're going just most stereotypical. But now, now Mahomes is hurt. He might not even play. So here's the problem that I'm in, Ray. I've already chose the Bills to win. So if the Bills win next Sunday, this Sunday, and go to the Super Bowl, they're out. I can't choose them again. So if I go choose the Packers, who I think are better than the Bucks, are probably going to win. Well, if I choose the Packers and then they go... Well, now I'm stuck because if it's Bills Packers, I'm out. I'm automatically lose because I've got no team left in the eliminator pool. I'm automatically out. So my choice, I'm almost forced. I think this. I think the Packers right now have a really strong chance of winning the entire thing, even beating the Chiefs. I really do. I really think they have a chance to make this happen. Now the question is, do I think that can the Chiefs beat the Bills this week? If Mahomes plays, there's a good chance they will. It's trending that way. I mean, he was limited in practice today, but he got the majority of the reps. So if he got the majority of the reps, I think we're safe to say that Mahomes is going to play. What are, what's your idea? Let's let's look at what Vegas is saying about this this game right now. Let me let me walk you through a little bit of this right now. All right, so and we're going to start here with the AFC Championship game. Okay. Here we go. It's going to be at 105 Eastern. It's going to be at Arrowhead Stadium. It'll be airing on CBS. Right now, you've got Kansas City minus three. Going to be a very close game. Okay. Here uh, some stats for you. Right now, Buffalo is averaging 30.3 points per game. That's number three, number three in the NFL. Buffalo is surrendering 22.3 points per game. That's ninth in the NFL. Kansas City is averaging 29.1 points per game. That is fifth in the NFL, just a hair below Buffalo. And they're surrendering the exact same amount of points, 22.3 points per game. That's tied for ninth in the NFL. So these teams are so evenly matched. Let me ask you, who do you see winning this game? God, it's tough, you know, because the Chiefs are kind of limping a little bit, but they just, they were... They were actually in worse shape last year and won it all. So I have a hard time betting against them, even though I think the Bills are going to give them a good punch. I just think not quite there yet. I would love to be wrong. I I think Vegas has a pretty good, that's a pretty good indicator of what the game's going to be. I also think it's going to be close, although I thought the Ravens-Bills game was going to be close too, and that turned out not to be the case. So, But uh, I, I think these two teams are much better than the Ravens. Uh, Ravens can't play from behind. Both of these teams can play from behind, especially the Chiefs. So I, I think I think Chiefs by three is a pretty accurate uh, call on this one. Especially, especially if Mahomes plays. If, Ch- if Chad Henney plays the whole game, then no. Then I think it's the Bills to win. Right now the betting public is 60% in favor of Buffalo, 40% in favor really? of the Chiefs. See, and, yeah. I, and I think a lot of that had to do with Mahomes going out with a concussion last week and him being limited up to this point uh, towards the game. Yep. So let's take a look over real quick and then we're going to wrap this up. Let's take a look here at the Bucks and Green Bay. Uh, here we go. That is 
so that game, we've got Tampa Bay. Green Bay is minus three and a half favorites over the Bucks. And let's take a look at some of our stats here. These are just some basic stats. Tampa Bay is averaging 30.7 points per game. That is number two in the NFL, just a hair above the Bills. Tampa Bay is surrendering 21 points per game. That's tied for seventh. Green Bay is averaging 31.8 points per game. That's number one in the NFL. And then Green Bay surrendering 22.8 points per game, 12th in the NFL. The number one offense right here. Uh, I think that this is going to be the... Uh, Tampa took advantage of some excellent defensive plays and some big mistakes from Drew Brees. Once again, the Saints for, I mean, a decade straight, just cough up the big one. They've done this so much in the playoffs. I, I almost feel bad for the Saints fans because it's just a year in and year out. This is one of the best teams in every single time. This team goes into the post. Something happens, and unfortunately, Michael Thomas was nowhere to be found in that game, and it was just focused on Alvin Kamara, and you got these guys. Yeah, and Drew Brees did not play at the level he's capable of, and it was sad to see Drew Brees' final game, or what most likely is his final game, go out like that, and uh, it it was over. He hasn't announced it, and I because I think you know knowing the competitor and the ego there. The the good ego, not not I don't mean that in a negative way, but I, I think that I think he's wrestling with the fact like, do I want to go out like that? Like I'd rather I'd rather him go out, you know, like Brett Favre went out in the NFC Championship game when he was a Viking in his first year with that team, uh, a division rival no less, and that would be a much better swan song for him, not to just like him coughing up the ball in back to back possessions uh, after the Jared Cook fumble you know, to just self-inflict the shoot themselves in the foot out of the playoff tournament when to me they were dominating controlling that game for the most part and then they just self-destructed in the second half. So I, I think he's wrestling with that. Like do I really want do I really want my last game to be me self-destruct destructing in a divisional playoff match or do I want to give this another go and, and give it a proper send off? Yeah. And I you know but but that's all you needed for Tom Brady to do Tom Brady things. And once again, Tom Brady is in a conference championship, this time against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Brady, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are facing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Just let that sink in for a minute. Words I never thought would ever come out of my mouth. Uh, that he is now one game away again from the Super Bowl. But I think it ends here, and I think it's the Packers that go. Now the question is, Raymond, do I go with the Packers or the Chiefs? If these are the two teams that are going to win, and we both agree that they're going to win, who wins the Super Bowl? You got to kind of think about it right now, three weeks ahead. Who's your pick? Who do I pick now that I believe is going to lose in, in three weeks? Man, this is a tough call. It's tough, right? Because I think either of these two teams can win. I think Green Bay is the healthier team. Green Bay is the healthiest team out of every team that's left in this fight. And they're the most balanced team out of every team that's left in this fight. So uh, they've got a number one receiver. They've got a number one running back. They've got some other side weapons that they can use, and they've got a solid defense that can defend against the pass and the run. Um, not the top defense, but a good defense. Buffalo, uh, you know, Buffalo's got some big holes in that offense, and they, they tend to break more often uh, th than they should. 
and it's the offense that's bailed them out a lot because you have because uh, Josh Allen's feet. But I think, um, man, there's a part of me that thinks Rodgers might pull it off. It's a part of me that thinks Rodgers might get a second Super Bowl title in this run because of the fact uh, everything I just mentioned. I just think they're balanced. I I think the I think the the Aaron Rodgers versus the Bucks defense is a much harder task for the Bucks defense than it is against a Drew Brees. And part of that is because Rodgers is a great pump fake and Rodgers can still he's still mobile. Still mobile at his age. And Drew Brees not so much. You you need a uh, Taysom Hill if you want to play that game. And it, it seems like it's about time for him to come in and, and take the reins, in my opinion. But uh, I think Rodgers is going to give them fits because of his mobility. And just I think he sees the field a lot, a little bit better than Drew Brees. Drew Brees and I understand that statistically Drew Brees has a better um, completion percentage, but you got to remember he's also, you know, Captain Dunkoff like Philip Rivers uh, is uh, a lot. So a lot of that stat is you know, a little muddled by the fact that he takes a lot of layups uh, in his passing game, whereas Rodgers has his completion percentage, you know, and, and and does that a lot less because he's looking downfield. He's trying to get intermediate throws. And I'm not trying to dog Drew Brees, but different styles here. And I think that Aaron Rodgers' style is a better matchup problem for the Buccaneers, which is why I think the Buck stops this week against the cheese heads <laughs> so shout out to uh to noelia's husband um because i know he's a cheesehead fan <clears throat> who oh oh you mean our cousin it's, it's fa family talk family talk family talk uh so quick so but let, so let's go back to this though raymond let's let's keep our eye on the prize here so do you think the play is chiefs this week to beat the bills packers in the super bowl because if not, then I've got to, or or I've got to go Packers to win this week, Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you've got a 50-50 shot. It's a 50-50 shot, no matter how you flip it. Yeah. So, you know. Well, you are gun to your head. Gun to your head. And then we got to go. Make your choice. Gun to my head. I say Green Bay takes it all. You know what? I think you're right, too. I've said this three times only to change my mind at, on Saturday morning before the games begin. Who knows? But uh, we'll find out what I decide. I, I'm right now, rise up right now, betting public. I'm going to go Chiefs this week, Packers to take it all. And, uh, yeah, we'll find out next week what happens. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.